G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Our special guest, Di Warren, who is the keynote speaker at a conference that's on this weekend called the Equip Conference in Sydney. And our conversation through this coming hour about Christians making decisions in a messy world. You might like to join in our conversation, How You Make Decisions. Uh, how the Bible helps you make decisions. You can be part of our conversation on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Di Warren, welcome along to twenty twenty. Oh, thank you, Neil. Di, tell us all about this conference that's coming up. It's this weekend, isn't it? The Equip sixteen conference. Uh, tell us about what's happening. <laughs> Actually, you made me a bit scared because it's actually the following weekend. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, well, that gives us extra time. <laughs> no, it is. It's on um, Saturday, May twenty eighth. And uh, it's part of a network of conferences called the Equip Conferences. This is our sort of big flagship one that we hold in Sydney uh, every year. And uh, it's just a wonderful gathering of women from um, mostly around Sydney. Um, Some join us from different parts of New South Wales. And then we have more than a 1,000 women that join us from all around um, Australia, even some uh, overseas uh, listeners. And uh, really easy. We've got this wonderful live stream so people can just watch uh, even on their phone on YouTube, basically. So, um, yeah, it's fantastic. Really looking forward so to it. So, there's still room to go along personally. Is there still seats available? Yeah, we have um, two sort of sessions on the Saturday. So, we have what we call the daylight, and that's in the morning till sort of um, just after lunch. And then we have a, a twilight session, which starts sort of uh, people like me are often at netball in the morning. Um, so, that starts mid afternoon and heads uh, to just after dinner. And at the same time as the Twilight session, we have a team program running. So um, we've still got spots yeah, in all those programs at the moment. Um, but um, yeah, filling up well. So really, and of course, all this new technology that enables people anywhere to participate in a conference like the Equip 16 conference because of doing this this live streaming. Do you have to register somehow to actually be part of the live stream? You do, yes. Yeah. So everything's on our on our website, which is um, equip au, and it sort of shows you all the different options but yeah I mean technology is just incredible these days we had a, um, a wonderful woman who was interviewed about her ministry in um, Chile a few years ago and the following year we had her and her Bible study group actually joining us on the live stream so you sort of get this sense oh, it's incredible really what we can do now and sort of have that um, sort of extended family or sort of online um, all different parts of the world I think most of um a lot of uh, the grandparents I know who have uh, families on the mission field, now to be able to use things like Skype is just such an incredible way of being able to maintain relationship, obviously still in a sort of completely different way of it being live. But, um, yeah, we're just in a wonderful part of, the, of time, really. Well, <laughs> I always like to draw attention to these things because uh, many of our listeners 
are in quite isolated places. And so to be able to stream something live and feel like you're actually there being a part of a conference that's being held in Sydney and you might be in the middle of, well, for some people uh, in different states and territories, feeling like you're in the middle of nowhere. But uh, you can certainly uh, get in touch with the Equip people. Uh, There'll be an Equip website, EQUIP16. If you simply Google that, you'll be able to find the Equip website and find out how you can stream the conference. Di, let's get into our our conversation today. The theme for your conference is Freed. Today, we want to talk about Christians making decisions in a messy world. Uh, What's the overall impact that we ought to be thinking about, Di, when we talk about uh, making decisions in a messy world? Well, I think, you know, as Christians, we do want to make good decisions. So it's sort of something on my heart. You know, I go to church on a Sunday and I sing and I, and I want to, you know, give my whole heart to the Lord. I want my decisions that I uh, make during the week to bring honour to Him. But often when it comes down just to the daily sort of um, moments of each day, gosh, it looks it's complicated sometimes looking um, for what that actually looks like um, in each of those moments. And I think it's probably getting possibly more confusing uh, given the different changes we see in society around us. I think more people seem to be saying that they feel the conflict between uh, our culture that we live in and the God we belong to and we sort of, you know, there's a sense we do live in this real world and it's messy and we want to be part of it and we need to be part of it but we belong to our Lord (laughs) and what it looks like to actually keep making distinctly Christian decisions in our world, um, I think hmm, there's sort of increasingly there's lots of different pressures on us. I read a um, fantastic blog this week by a woman up in the North Coast and um, she was commenting on that she just shared in her sort of personal Facebook world her views on um, the biblical view on marriage and, you know, sort of a fairly safe environment in terms of most of sort of her uh, friendship networks. But she, um, was an interesting quote, she said that um, she realised not only is it not culturally mainstream, obviously to think that way, but no longer is it culturally acceptable and I think that brings us into a very different sort of world in our decisions that not only are we trying to work out what would please our Lord, but that sort of trick of when around us we're getting the, the sort of feedback, this is not even an acceptable way to live. Not, not that we just have an option, but not even something that others think is a, an appropriate way that we can live. also read an interesting blog by a, um, a teenager, and she was incredibly insightful, really, for a, for a young woman. She, uh, her blog was titled... Five Awkward Conversations That Every Teen Needs to Have with Their Parents. And um, I sort of clicked on it thinking it was written by a parent, really. You know, here's the sort of five things. But it was wonderful because this was a teenager saying, look, this is the stuff that I wish my mum would talk to me about or my youth leader or, um, you know, this is the sort of stuff that I realise is a struggle for me as a Christian teen. And um, I was fascinated, actually, what the issues were that she raised as to these sort of awkward conversations <laughs> that she wished someone would have with her. So I think it is a tricky time we're living in. I mean, on our heart, we want, to, we want to bring glory to God in our decisions, but what that actually looks like in every day, yeah, can be quite Well, confusing. I might get you to share some of those things uh, if we get that opportunity, but there might be listeners who'd like to contribute to our conversation, and uh, you might have those awkward sorts of Situations, those awkward questions that teenagers are asking or that if you are a young person yourself, awkward questions you think maybe ought to be asked, well, our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 I should mention that you are 
a uh, a wife and you have three teenage kids. So lots of surfboards and skateboards around your place. We have actually we have a graveyard in our backyard, which is all the <laughs> um, the poor surfboards that have been split in half, and they're expensive these days. Boy, <laughs> you know you know the different yeah. brands they buy. And we also have in our front yard, which um, <clears throat> came as a bit of a surprise last year, we have a motorbike. So I, I got home from church um, toward, I think it was just before Christmas, and I um, drove up into my, well, my garage really, and there was this motorbike park there, and I thought, well, that's nice, one of the youth leaders was popping around to see my guys. And so I didn't really think much of it until finding out that my um, 18-year-old had just purchased his first motorbike. So, yeah, that's the world I'm in at the moment. <laughs> that's concerning for every parent uh, when your teenager comes home with a motorcycle. Well, uh, 1-800-316-316 to be part of our conversation. Let's take a call from Robin in Mount Morgan in Queensland. Hi, Robin. Welcome along. Yes, hi. Um, this, this is a great topic, um, really good topic. But actually, I'm going to try and be succinct from a Bible story. This morning I was reading about David and Goliath, and I thought how much it is like today, the Goliaths in our world, all these agendas that are taking us on, on dangerous tangents and harming the very people that are, are shouting for those, um, those wants. But I just saw from the story, you know, Saul, I see, is Saul and his army were fighting the Philistines with like weapons. And they were totally outmatched because of the giants, Goliath, and, you know, they, they were just um, being conquered all the time. But David, he, he came with his, um, just his intimacy with God. You know, his weapons, it didn't matter whether it was a slingshot or whatever it was. Um, the point is he had his experiences with God where God had helped him um, defend sheep by um, killing the lions and the bears. Now, I think that we need to, the church, I believe, um, needs to individually um, stamp up their, their intimacy with God. And with that, um, it will naturally then look at people as needy people people that are misguided and, um, you know, whatever, whether they're homosexuals or people that have had abortions or whatever, they're mostly hurting people. And, and they're, looking for, they're looking for something to make them feel good. And the world is offering them, offering them all these outs that are, that are just leading them down further and further into captivity. And so I really believe it's really important to, um, to have that intimacy with God so that he gives us a word in season just for... The, the right person at the right time, and not for us to to think um, with like, not to use the same like weapons as the enemy is using, like their arguments. You know, this we want this, and um, you know, you're all. And that's the other thing I've got to say. Um, Christians had better be sure that they are not guilty of hating uh, homosexuals and and whatever. You know, we, we it's not we're not supposed to hate them. We're supposed to love them but at the same time not allow their thinking to dictate to our lives. Some good thoughts in that, Robin. Uh, let's get uh, some, uh, some response from Di Warren. Di, what are your thoughts on what Robin's sharing? No, thank you, Robin. I think um, absolutely. It's a, I think we, we want to be realistic about the world we're living in, and I think part of uh, godly wisdom is to look at the world and to keep uh, renewing our minds and, and um, not being naive about the different challenges around us. But at the same time, we definitely don't want to be scared. I mean, this is the world that God's put us in for this time. And at the same time, as there are absolutely particular challenges that are coming our way, um, and there always will be, 
at the same time, it's an incredible time of mission as well and all the different nationalities that God's bringing even to Australia. I mean, there is wonderful um, things happening uh, in God's plans. And so I think you're exactly right. We don't have to be scared of the world. We just have to be um, clear-minded and, and, and understand the world we're living in. And we need to be like our Lord and he so loved the world that he came to save us and so I think love really is the way we walk in this world yes we've got to be clear-minded and think about um, God's will but absolutely in the way we relate to each other uh, we want to be like our Lord who loved Thank you to Robin from Mount Morgan, 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join into our conversation. We're talking about Christians making decisions in a messy world. An interesting point comes to mind, uh, having heard uh, what Robin was saying there, Die, is the idea that uh, that sometimes the messy uh, actually is somehow overwhelming. Uh, sometimes I feel like we can focus too much on the messy and not so much on uh, the getting with God and having discerned decisions about the things we do in our life according to him. But the focus oftentimes yes. on, on the overwhelming messiness. Yes, yeah, that, that's, that's true, I think. I mean, for me, I think we, we see, you would have to say the messiest time ever in the world was that Garden of Gethsemane when our Lord... And he actually, you know, it talks about he, him, um, tears of blood, like, like the, the, the sort of sweat of, you know, the pressure on him to not do the Father's will, but to actually, you know, do his own will. Everything in him, you know, the, the sort of messiness of the world at that point, everyone had abandoned him, even his only closest friends. And yet what we see him do is not despair and not sort of uh, no, no sense of anger or frustration of the world, but he, he prays and <laughs> we see him do that. And he just gives himself to the Father. He says, you know, your will be done. And he entrusts himself knowing that, you know, God's got him here for such an incredible purpose. And although from a human point of view, the world looks absolutely out of control, that they would actually kill God's own son, incredibly at that point, uh, that is when God's bringing salvation to the world. So I think it's the same for us in our sort of messiness of whatever variety it is, whether it's personal messiness or just the environment around us. Um, yes, we keep drawing closer to God and knowing absolutely this is his world. Every single thing is in his hand. And yes, we draw our strength from him and then um, pray that he'll help us to, to bring honor to him in whatever context he puts us in. Those words, not my will but yours be done, I mean, that's so powerful, isn't it, as a foundation for making decisions according to God's will. That's exactly right. And actually the passage that i am um, been particularly enjoying the last couple of months looking forward to equip is, is 1 Corinthians 10. And Paul says that exact thing. He says, um, uh, let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbour. And he says, I'm, not try I'm trying to please everyone in everything. I'm not seeking my own advantage, but the good of many that they may be saved. And what's incredible actually in 1 Corinthians 10 is that Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And so we see that absolutely what we see in our Lord, that he absolutely lived for God's will, not his own, and that what mattered to him most was the salvation of the world. We see that that, that shape and that sort of heart and passion is something that the Apostle Paul had. <laughs> and he says to us, follow me as I follow Jesus. So he's saying that is really the, the heart shape of the Christian life. I mean, it is messy and sometimes we make different decisions from each other. But what the heart is, is that I want to not live for my own sake, but I want to live for the sake of God and for the sake of others. And really that is the fundamental heart and the fundamental sort of um, 
framework and backbone, I think, for all our decision-making. So often we think about, you know, what's best for us and we don't even realise the different factors that are, that are causing the way we, we're making our decisions. But trying to sort of bring it back to the fundamentals of, I'm here for a purpose, <laughs> the Lord has loved me so much and I want to love him and live for his glory in this world, I think that really is what has to keep being the strength and the, and the, and the um, framework for our decisions. I really appreciated what our caller, Robin, was saying about having intimacy with God. And uh, that's something that David had in his battle against Goliath. There is a sense, isn't there, in which uh, you can say, oh, okay, we've got to uh, make God's will our will. You know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, it's somehow or other you can do that in a, in a rational, reasonable sort of a way, almost mechanical way. But but really what has to happen is there has to be something that flows out of the heart. Otherwise, otherwise we're just going to be uh, buffeted around, aren't we? It's, it's the heart that's an issue here? Well, I think it's heart and mind. So I think that the, the scriptures are incredible because what the Word of God does, it, it, um, it renews our mind so that we can actually see what the will of God is. Because, I mean, I might want to bring glory to God, but if I actually don't know what His will is, then obviously I'm not sure the, sort of the way ahead. So I think the scriptures absolutely uh, inform our minds and beautifully give us a picture of what it is that um, our Father would want for us. But then they also uh, change our heart because it's very well, sometimes I know what it is that probably the Lord would want me to do, but my heart doesn't want to do it. So the scriptures are incredible about working on both our mind and our heart, giving us the desire to want to follow him as well as helping us see in wisdom what that might look like in different situations. So I think when we talk about intimacy, it's, it's you know, the Lord actually changing us, <laughs> and uh, which is our minds, but also our heart and our desires, and um, that I really do want to live for him. And, you know, like some decisions, it's just, yeah, for, sometimes I think, yeah, in my mind, I'm not sure what to do. But so often I think, if I'm honest, it's my heart that is actually holding me back and, it's my heart that doesn't actually want to do what I think I know is right. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. It's Neil with you. We're talking through Christians making decisions in a messy world. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. Di Warren is our guest. She's keynote speaker at the Equip conference that's coming up on the 28th of May. Di, let's take some more calls. Let's hear from Beth in Redlands in Queensland. Hello, Beth. Welcome along to 2020. Beth, are oh. you with us? Oh, hello, Neil. It's oh, it's Rosemary. Rosemary. Rosemary, we'll take your call first. Thank you, Neil. Um, I've got a, uh, several thoughts on this topic as I'm listening. Um, first one important is um, see behind the upset words and upset behaviour with God, Jesus helping you and have a heart of compassion that this is a wounded and troubled person who does not have Jesus who is peace and happiness and kindness and gentleness and use those aspects of gentleness and kindness and joy and peace to just love the person and don't judge them and the five love languages does this person appreciate gifts or acts of service or words of affirmation or or whatever um, to relate to that person and um, there's a secular saying if you love a person you'll let them go 
if they come back to you, they're yours. If they don't come back to you, they never were. But there's a true story of a lady, and uh, God gave her some people that she could help. Uh, she, her husband was not getting on with her, and they couldn't uh, reconcile, so he left, and the teenage son went his own way, and he, he went away. And she said to God, what do I do? And God said, well, let them go. I've given you people to help. So she said, yes, Lord, and she was obedient to that. And God continued to help her to help people. And eventually her husband came back to her and said, oh, I was silly. Will you take me back? And her son came back to her and said, oh, I was silly as well, Mum. Uh, will you take me back? And the son became a youth pastor and the husband became more and more involved in the church and they were a happy, reconciled family. Let's get a few thoughts from Di on the, on the story that you're sharing and the and those thoughts. Di, what are your thoughts uh, on what Rosemary's sharing? Oh, thank you, Rosie. I mean, gosh, when you the more you... Um, I think the longer I'm a Christian and listen to more people's stories, the more, more wonder there really is in just seeing how God does work in our world. And, of course, there's oh, so many times that we see the heartache of uh, different relationships around us and when it does go so terribly wrong... And I'm thinking of some of my friends and different marriage breakups and just the heartache affecting all the different relationships around them. But <clears throat> when we see sometimes that reconciliation and what looks sometimes humanly impossible, like in, in lots of ways we see all the reasons that it won't come together, but when we do see people um, acting in compassion and God incredibly changing hearts, it's just, yeah, the most wonderful, wonderful things to, uh, thing to see. I've... Um, but a similar story, slightly different. It wasn't a sort of um, so much an issue of tension in relationship, but um, a lovely uh, new believer at our church who um, pulled her daughter out of scripture uh, class at school. And so um, she found that as an atheist, she wasn't quite liking what was being said at school. Uh, her daughter actually loved scripture. <laughs> and so um, she was coming home talking about a lot of things. And anyway, her mum... Uh, with integrity as an atheist decided look I, I that's not what I want my daughter to be talking about and there was different things that were concerning her and so she pulled her daughter out but her beautiful little daughter um, kept saying to mum look I really I want to learn more about God and um, and so her mum uh, just a year or two actually started bringing her to our church thinking that you know I'll, I'll be there and it's all sort of it's, it's rubbish but I'll be there at least to be able to filter it and to make sure that my daughter's not getting the wrong view well, incredibly, over the next couple of months, she started really loving coming to church and um, God's brought her to faith and uh, now her whole family comes to church with us. So it's incredible what looked like, you know, when, when her scripture teacher first found out that the, the little girl was being pulled out of scripture, obviously it seemed like a disaster and was a terribly sort of tense situation. But in God's grace, he can incredibly work through heartache and pain and you know, we see in the book of Acts often there is incredible, there can be opposition to the gospel, but incredibly God can work things to bring about his plans in ways that we couldn't have imagined. So I uh, just think uh, it's wonderful that we keep sharing these stories with each other and seeing how God is at work in our world. Um, just wonderful. Thank you to Rosemary from Melbourne for your insights and your input here on 2020. 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Beth in Redlands in Queensland. Hello, Beth. Hello, Neil. Beth, what are your thoughts? I was just uh, following on Robin from Mount Morgan. Had a very in depth. I felt this morning, and I feel that 
Now we've got this prayer happening all over Australia. Can we have the Lord's Prayer said over our land? Because the disciples said, teach us how to pray. And Jesus taught us how to pray, that his will be done. And Robin said, you know, we, don't, we seem to be fighting the battle on the other person's ground. We need to take God's ground in this. And, and, and you know, he works in the praises of his people. It's a different battle now. And I feel Robin was very much on mark with, with what God's doing in this land. Beth, I think she was. And uh, there is a prayer initiative that's happening at the moment. And this afternoon, uh, from three in the east, from one in the west, there's another prayer uh, segment that's coming live out of Sydney. And uh, I know that Phil Edwards, our station CEO, and Matt Prater are heading to Sydney and they'll be uh, leading that prayer this afternoon. So a prayer initiative coming out of Sydney and prayer in a number of the capitals around Australia uh, in the lead-up to uh, the big event that's happening there in the centre of Australia in Alice Springs. But certainly the Lord's Prayer, and undoubtedly it'll be prayed a little later on, and uh, and we can certainly reflect on uh, those elements of the Lord's Prayer, which are so important for us too. Beth, thank you so much for your insight today here on 2020. A quick uh, comment from you, Di. Oh, look, I think that's exactly right. Both Robin and Beth, I think um, really prayer is just so, so important. And we, we, it's, it's amazing how, how much we minimalize it and don't, and, and don't realize um, how important it is. Uh, it's wonderful to see those sort of national initiatives and praying, you know, all over Australia is wonderful. I think sort of corporately in all our just sort of different different gatherings, it's so important to make prayer a priority. And I think something that I keep learning from some of the older women at church is the importance of just praying personally together. So I, I just think it's so encouraging after church when, um, you know, a woman, we're talking about something and then uh, she just says, let's pray about it now together. So I think just having prayer is just part of our daily life as much as possible. I've even got friends, you know, when we can't catch up face-to-face, but we have a bit of a chat on the phone and then pray on the phone together. And I think, um, yeah, wonderful to bring prayer into the centre of everything we're doing in life. And in the lead-up to the news just a few moments away, but, Di, sometimes we're not praying because we don't think that God is going to actually answer our prayers. But uh, he does answer and he does bring wisdom for the decisions we need to make. Oh, that is just, yeah, absolutely so much the case. And we're so much, um, yeah, it's such a pity, really, when God wants to give us wisdom. And, you know, part of praying is it is sometimes praying for wisdom and sometimes, as we said before, it's praying for the desire to do what we know is right. So I think when we pray, we're, we're praying for our mind to be renewed, but also our heart to be willing to, to, to follow him. So. We're back after the news. one 316 to be part of our conversation. Christians making decisions in a messy world. Di Warren, our guest. More after Vision National News. Coming up, Afternoons with Matt and Rochelle. And we kick it off this afternoon from Brisbane, Mandy. We are Phil and we're focusing on leadership in the nation and we want our family around the country to join us in prayer this afternoon. It's really simple. Just tune in your radio and pray with us. How cool is this? It's happening this afternoon. Well, we're talking about making decisions and Christians making decisions based on some discernment that we get from hearing from God and the use of God's Word and how that becomes part of our lives when we make decisions. You can be part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316. Di, let's continue to take a call or two. Alison is in Donald in Victoria. Hello, Alison. Welcome along to 2020. Uh, hello. Alison, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts 
Uh, one aspect in making decisions in a messy world is our children playing sport. Now, we, most of us really feel this is incredibly invaluable, making um, our children playing sport. And then we get excited when they turned out to be rather good at it and they are asked to play in a regional setting or association setting and <clears throat> before we know it we're running our children uh, to these training sessions which are mostly on Sunday and then after four or five years of this they don't all make the state team or the national team and they finish up but in the meantime they've missed out on church you know, being there regularly on a Sunday morning, missed out on youth group because they're so busy with school, homework and the sport and the extra training. And I just thought this is very difficult for parents to uh, work through on how they can keep their children in fellowship. Di Warren, what are your thoughts on what we're hearing? Oh, thank you, Alison. That's, um, I think, just such an important issue. And I guess we could um, replace sport with music or even with, um, in some parts of uh, Sydney with sort of academic achievement. And there's lots of different things that really can become, I think, really an idol, really. <laughs> they become the one thing that really dominates um, our families and our children's lives and something that we just need to be so, so careful about. And as you said, it can creep up on us because what starts as a wonderful thing being out with the kids in the local soccer team, the local netball team, and without knowing it, can, it can grow into something that um, can become quite unhelpful. Um, with my own uh, daughter, uh, she's a um, great little netball player, and we had exactly that same decision two years ago. Uh, so uh, she was encouraged by, she had a wonderful coach, and um, he said, oh, you know, she should go for the rep team. And um, because she loves her sport, we thought, oh, OK, we'll just sort of uh, think about it more. Apparently, it wasn't going to be on a Sunday. They were going to play upper grade or two grades on a Saturday. So we thought, yep, OK, this could work. Uh, though it would be a bit more of a busy Saturday. So we sort of had to factor in, was that going to be a sensible decision? Um, but as we started looking into it more, there definitely was the gala days on Sunday. And so um, I actually think at the time it was uh, a big sort of process for us. But I think what was wonderful was that um, I think we involved Emma in the decision-making. So she was very much part of us thinking through, look, would this be sensible? What if you had to miss church twice for a gala day? Would that be, is that something that would be a good thing to do or not to do? Um, if the team is full of lots of girls who are not part of Christian community, would this be good to sort of keep relationships going with them? And I think there was just so many factors going on, but we had to sort of boil it down to, really what are our priorities and um, the wonderful thing was that actually she made the decision look I'm not sure this would be the best thing for, for me to be doing um, and which was wonderful because I think it much harder decision I think if she was her heart set on it and we were thinking it wasn't the wisest decision but in God's grace she could see that look I love my netball and I want to keep playing um, you know good a good standard on Saturdays but I don't think it'd be helpful to uh, keep going um, you know further in the netball. Of course, there are some Christians who are elite athletes. So obviously we've got to add to the discussion that for um, a, a rare family, that actually that might be something that becomes the whole uh, sort of uh, work, working life of uh, a particular child. But I think it does take great discernment and definitely just pulling back. I think that the messages of the world are so loud and so we want our kids to be great at sport and great at school and great all these things. And without knowing it, we don't realise how the world's uh, sort of message 
is, um, is really what's dominating our thinking rather than actually coming down quietly and just talking it through and praying it through and asking, I think, older families for wisdom. I think I've learnt so much from, as I've sort of entered the teenage world, I love talking to some of the families at church who've now got young adults and often have been through exactly the same sort of decisions. Sometimes um, they're able to say, you know, the ways they wish they'd done it differently so you can learn from what they see as mistakes they've made. Other times you can learn from the just the, you know, godly choices they have made. But I think in our decisions to sort of keep being honest and trying to, you know, pray about what we're doing and talk about what we're doing and sharing it with often people just a little bit outside our own world, like a, you know, a friend at Bible study group, often we get just a different insight and can be um, warned about potentially something that we don't see coming. So, in the, you know, when you're, when you're in the middle of sort of the kids playing netball in primary school, you don't even think about what that could grow into later on and, and how it could become unhelpful if we don't watch it. So I think... Um, Yep, sport is a wonderful thing, but lots of, um, yeah, important things to think about. Alison from Donald in Victoria, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. And uh, what a great response, Di. I might just uh, compliment you there because, uh, wow, what a, a way to resolve an issue and uh, to look for alternatives. And uh, and sometimes do you think that when we're making decisions, we realise it's a messy decision we have to make. We feel like we're locked into something that's going to put everybody offside. Uh, but when we can actually fish for alternatives and include others in the decision-making process, then it's not just our decision or our imposing our will somehow, but everybody then becomes part of the decision, then you can have a win-win situation. Yeah, I mean, often they can still feel messy, but I, I do think we often don't take advantage of the wonderful gift that is Christian fellowship around us. And I, and I see that from 1 Corinthians 10 because Paul does say, follow me as I follow Christ. And, and that sort of tall poppiness in me thinks, what do you mean follow Paul? Like He's just like me, a sort of a, a sinful human being. But actually he's saying, no, like learn from me. You know, he doesn't at all claim that he's a, a perfect human being. That's why he says, follow Christ. He's our, our wonderful saviour. But he's saying there is wonderful lessons to learn from each other. And sometimes we sort of do become quite individualistic and make decisions ourselves. Sometimes don't even talk about things with our kids or our, our partner. Sometimes we sort of so much make decisions ourselves, but there's such wonderful wisdom by talking out with each other. And, um, you know, I think about uh, my, my middle son, who's, um, going to year, who's in year 11 at school, and when I think about it, he's actually able to articulate the wonderful influence that one of his youth leaders has have, had on him, Jake. And the way he has thought about the um, mission at his sort of local school and they've done some great events and getting a band in and having different sp uh, people speak. They had a wonderful um, uh, girl who was, a, uh, was on the, actually coming back to the sport thing, she was actually for a little while on the circuit as a, um, as a surfer. And um, she came in to give her testimony. And, you know, there's wonderful things that um, I don't think he would have ever thought about uh, except that his youth leader said to him, you know, mate, the school environment, you never get that chance again. It's such a unique environment in terms of you're with everyone five days a week and there's so much wonderful mission that can be done reaching out to your friends uh, if you just have the eyes to see it. And I think, wow, that influence that Jake had him on, on him last year has definitely affected the way he and his mates have thought about um, what they can do in the school community this year and just wonderful things that have happened. So... Yeah, I do think with our decision-making, just as families, if, if, if that's your context, I think we need to be sort of keep praying and thinking about our decisions together. But also, um, you know, sometimes even with our money, the, the funny thing in the Christian world is money is so personal and, I, you know, I don't want to talk about that. But 
my own father is a wonderful example of that because at different times when he's just got you know a little bit of inheritance here or there or just had different decisions to make so graciously he's talked to my my brother and I about those decisions and my sister sort of about the sort of different ways that you know should he do this should he do that and uh, he's even talked to us about his will and um, you know how to think about that and what mission and organizations he might like to give money to and I think such a godly example that you know I think most men his age pretty much that would be private business but he actually wants us to be involved in it and to own it and to sort of um, yeah be part of that whole process and I think that's been an incredible uh, great model to me. Di do you think sometimes we struggle inwardly uh, a big uh, you know uh, a battle that's going on an inward an internal battle uh, over decisions that we make whereas if we introduced others into our decision making even if we were saying hey it's not your decision to make but I want your input uh, that there's real value in that and, and, and isn't that the way we sort of in a transformational type of way, actually share our values with our children or with our families or with those people that we're living with? I think that's so true, Neil. I think, I mean, I think we do it without realising it. Like every Tuesday night when I meet with my my wonderful group of of women and we have our our Bible study together, I think without realising it, just if we're, as, as we're reading the scriptures together and we're just talking about, you know, that whole life and just sharing that comes around reading the word together, I think we are sort of, without knowing it, you know, it might be someone else's thing that they're praying about, but I'm learning without realizing it how they're processing it. And, and you know, as they share things, I think we so much do um, learn from each other, both good and, and, and bad. So I think sometimes when we're having an internal struggle, it might be just that oh, life's heavy and complicated and, um, you know, we're just needing some wisdom into that space. But sometimes it is that, you know, I think often with the issue of um, of reconciliation and what Rosemary uh, talked to us about earlier, I think, you know, in relationships when they get complicated and messy, sometimes we can't see clearly. And, you know, I know a friend who was just very angry about her, um, a member of her family for many, many years. And there was hurt in that relationship and there was lots of things that needed to sort of be sorted out. But I think she found by actually sharing it with others that she realised there was a bitterness that she was harbouring that probably wasn't, you know, where God wanted her to be. And it definitely took time for her to sort of think that out um, and pray about that with her friends. But I think sometimes... A Christian friend can really just help you see that maybe, you know, what you're thinking is a justified response is maybe not the way God is really wanting you to live. And I think we can help each other so much in, you know, some of our feelings are deceptive and, and, you know, I feel cross about something and I think it's quite justified to feel a certain way and to act a certain way, but someone else kindly and gently can just speak into my space and make me realise, actually, (laughs) maybe there's a different way ahead. And I just always valued that when friends have had the bravery to say to me, you know, maybe <laughs> I'm a little bit too cross than I need to be or maybe there's a, a more compassionate or better way to, to be responding. Di, lots of us have a best friend, a confidant. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's our spouse. Other times it's someone who's connected with us and maybe a long-time friend. Uh, there's also that third person that you can bring into your decision making a pastor in your local church or yeah, uh, you know your yeah. spiritual leader uh, do you find that that's a, a useful way too if you include them in your decision making process oh i think uh, absolutely i think it's wonderful if uh, really i mean what, what's the ingredient it's just someone that you trust uh someone i think as we we're talking about in terms of intimacy earlier i just think someone that you know 
loves Christ, loves his word, um, someone who's a, who's a prayer, just those, you know, someone that you just really, someone who, who loves you, <laughs> who's going to be honest to you. Um, you know, they don't have to be someone, you know, even I, I think about a, a lovely a new believer at our church and, you know, I find her a very wise person to talk to and she it's not like she knows a lot of the scriptures yet. I mean, she's hungry to learn, but there's a freshness about her just looking at the world and saying, oh, there's so many people that don't know Christ and just her sort of beautiful passion for evangelism because it's so fresh to her. She knows what it was like to be in darkness and just not know God. And so I just learned so much from her, even the way that she's thinking about things. So I think there is those special people that often God provides for us, which might be a long-term, someone who's just known us for so long. Um, there can be, hopefully, I mean, I pray that it would be our pastors, that there'd be people we can trust and in little and big ways can sort of um, learn from their wisdom. And I think we do Sunday by Sunday without realising it as, as as we hear the word preached to us, we, we, we do learn, but even obviously from those personal uh, conversations. But I think also being receptive to, you know, God can encourage us. You know, um, one of your listeners can ring in and I don't know them. I don't, I'll, I'll probably never meet them until glory. <laughs> but I can actually learn from them so we can all the time, if we're just listening and, 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 and sort of trying to learn from each other's wisdom, I think um, then we end up yeah, being in a better place <laughs> to make our own decisions. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Talking through Christians making decisions in a messy world, Di Warren is our guest. She'll be keynote speaker at the Equip conference that's coming up in Sydney. Di, if we were looking for some sort of a formula, uh, some way in which we can know that we're making godly decisions, because as followers of Jesus Christ, we want to make those decisions according to us being followers of him. Is there any sort of uh, special formula that you like to come up with? (laughs) <laughs> well, it'd be nice if there was, wouldn't it? Um, I mean, I think the ingredients are really clear, and I think we've talked about that, that obviously prayer is our starting point, praying for God's wisdom. And then um, the Word of God is what really renews our mind and our heart. Uh, and then doing that in fellowship with other believers and getting that wisdom from each other. So I think they're the sort of core ingredients. And they, they're not necessarily a, a sort of a quick fix, because sometimes with hard, hard decisions... You know, it takes time to sort of keep thinking through what's the wisest. But um, I guess two interesting things that I've um, been challenged from uh, looking at um, 1 Corinthians 10, which is what I'll uh, be uh, addressing on the Equip Day. Um, Paul, interestingly, he seems to say there are two questions that are very important for us to keep asking. Um, And so um, those questions are, am I free and is it loving? And I think that's actually really helped my thinking about mm, that's a really helpful sort of uh, framework to sort of think about different decisions. So the first one is, am I free? And I think Paul's point is, interestingly, that sometimes we think we're free to do something when actually uh, we might be deceiving ourselves. So he's really interesting in 1 Corinthians 10, talks about our heart and talks about um, Israel in the Old Testament and how... You know, they had a spiritual rock that was with them that was Christ. They had Christ with them and he fed them and led them. And yet, they then, remember, they, they, they built the golden calf and they went looking for all other things um, sort of for satisfaction. And they grumbled and they tested God and there was sexual immorality. And so it's interesting it's saying that we can actually think we're free to do something when we might be deceiving ourselves. And uh, thinking about that sport illustration, I think, you know, 
when I was thinking first about whether my daughter did the Sunday sort of gala days and, and, and netball, I think I could have justified it that, you know, it'd be good to spend time with lots of those sort of families that, you know, are not connected with church. And, they, and I actually think there might be good reasons to think about that. But I actually have to quickly just test my heart. Is it really that I'm wanting my daughter to be in rep sort of team? And am I sort of, um, in a sense, addicted to the sort of success thing and has become an idol? Or am I thinking through this in a sort of healthy way? So I think we want to test our decisions. Am I really free? Because I might... You know, the, the, the Corinthians were, it seems, they were dabbling around in the idol temple. You know, the, they were sort of, and Paul says, you can't, there's a point at which you can't eat off the Lord's table and eat in the temple. Like there's things that actually you're not free to do. And it seemed like the Corinthians were sort of mucking around saying, you know, I'm in Christ, I'm free, I've been saved by grace, I can do whatever I want, everything's permissible. And Paul says, actually, no, <laughs> you, you, you know, you're kidding yourself. There are some things that we're not free to do. And so I think that's the first important question, am I free? But then he overlays that with this beautiful question, is it loving? And so what he says to us is sometimes in life, you could be completely free to do something. Like I can buy that BMW, or I can go on that overseas holiday, or I can. They're things that absolutely I'm free to do. There is no law against it. But when I ask the question, is it loving? I might potentially come up with a different, uh, different answer. So I might be free to buy that expensive car, but in a particular church context, that might be an incredibly unloving thing to do compared to sort of the demographics around us or I might think there's a, a different use of my money or something I'm free to do might not necessarily be the most loving thing. And so he does this beautiful thing where he says, you know, you've got to ask yourself, is it loving for the believers in your life? Like, is the thing I'm doing going to be something that causes others to stumble or something that builds them up? And then he asks the question, is it loving for the unbelievers in our life? Is it something that will actually potentially help someone come to faith? And so I think in my decisions, yes, yeah, I've sort of studied 1 Corinthians. It makes me realize I just want to start with my heart. Am I really free to do this? And then even if I decide I'm free to do it, I want to ask that second question, is it loving? Is it going to be something that's great for the believers around me and also the unbelievers? And I think they're, they're the sort of things that, you know, just really help give us a sort of slow us down and help us think about our, our decision-making well. Well, Di, almost out of time. Let me come back to the Equip Conference, the 28th of May, and uh, the sort of feedback you get about the Equip Conference uh, from women of all ages. It's the best day of the year. <laughs> uh, why is it such a good day? Well, <laughs> no, it is a wonderful, wonderful day. And... Um, um, I think partly, I mean, if you can come to Sydney, then you just see just thousands of women gathering together and singing together and learning together and talking together. This just, it is an incredible buzz to be there on the day. But it's also an incredible buzz, I think, if you're on live stream. And, you know, the groups at Townsville and Darwin and Western Australia, they often send us a, a photo of their group that they've got together or two, you know, friends that have got together. And it's just so encouraging seeing that. Um, so I think it is an incredible encouragement. Um, but... I think all the elements of the program, we have two uh, wonderful women that sort of construct everything together, Isabel and Caitlin, and they, I think they really think carefully about what interview will best be, you know, best to, to, to hear, and they think about the songs that we're going to sing, and there's this wonderful sense in which we're not just learning from the Bible, but everything is sort of uh, helping us to sort of uh, work out what it lo looks like in our life. So I just think, 
yeah, I always go home on a bit of a high, <laughs> just being there with all the women, but also um, just thinking about what it means to be a Christian woman in a messy world. Well, great to get your insights today on 2020, Di, and I'll encourage our listeners to simply Google Equip 16 and they'll find the website for the Equip conference and there'll be a link there as to how you can stream that conference uh, from anywhere around Australia. Di Warren, who's the keynote speaker at the Equip conference coming up on the 28th of May. Di, just great getting your insights today. Thanks so much for being with us on 2020. Thank you, you, Neil, and thanks for all the listeners calling in and um, I'd love you to be part of live stream wherever you are in Australia. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.